I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey, idiots. Welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, the podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance, mostly by asking ignorant questions with me, Jessica Michelle Singleton, JMS, if you're nasty. Why did I say it like that? Why do I always say if you're nasty? If you're lazy, if you just want to call me JMS, people do it. It's fine. Either is fine. Jessica Michelle Singleton's a mouthful for a lot of people. Listen, the point is I'm here. I'm a comedian. I'm the host. I don't know a fucking thing. I'm trying to be better. I think we're all trying to be better. We're all trying to do our best. That's life is you try to learn shit and try to be better, right? Maybe I'm trying. That's why I'm here. I hope that's why you're here. If you're new to the podcast or you just haven't done it yet, hit that subscribe button for me wherever you're listening. Leave a rating. Leave a review on iTunes. It helps. It helps other people find it. So more of us can learn the answers to our ignorant questions. I read it. It makes me feel good. Thank you to everyone who's already subscribed. The new reviews I've gotten. New people, old people, love you all. Glad we're still in this together, and I am having so much fun on this sort of season three journey of just trying to fucking take care of myself, which, as we all know, is not easy. But I'm learning a lot from my guests. I'm excited about the guests today. I'm excited about life. You guys, before I get to my guest, let's let's chit-chat a little bit. Let's talk about a few things. Uh, first of all, you can join the Patreon. You already know that. Patreon.com slash JMS comedy. Instead of what it used to be. Uh, it's, you know, I've got stand-up clips. My There's a full-length video of my new album that's coming out. I have a new album coming out. Hello. It's called Horny for Death. There is a pre-order link in the show notes. Go ahead and hit that button. Pre-order my album. Get yourself some laughs. Here's what happens. You guys pre-order on iTunes. It gets me in the algorithm. That helps me chart. 
which is good. That's great. Gets my album in front of more eyes, and it's fucking cool. I'm trying to shoot for number one. We did it before. Can we do it again? It will drop on October 1st. We will see. But there's a link to pre-order right now. And once you pre-order, you get a little sample track, a little fun track. And it's, uh, it's a fun album. I'm proud of it. It's, you know called horny for death obviously there's going to be some dirty jokes in there but it's sort it's a an open story look at things that have gone on in my life where I'm at at the age I'm at uh and really if you listen to it from top to bottom in order it is sort of like a powerful revenge taking back the power story of one woman who's you know Sex positive, as uh, we say, as a way to go not ashamed to fuck. So, yeah, please do that if you like my comedy. If you want to see my comedy live, I'm coming to so many places. I'm in Appleton right now recording this in a hotel room. It's beautiful here. I'll be in Wasilla next weekend and Anchorage. That's right. Coming to Alaska, coming back to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Finally, I'll be uh, in Raleigh, Philly. I'm coming to Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Buffalo, Portland, lots of places for the rest of this year. Uh, so head over to jmscomedy.com slash shows. And uh, if, I'm, if I'm coming to your city, how about this? For podcast listeners only, this week only. If I'm coming to your city and you see that, send me a screenshot of my album pre-ordered on iTunes and I will get you on the guest list for when I'm in your city. I will get you a free ticket to the show. Yeah, I'll do that. If I'm not coming to your city, I can't fucking help you. I still would like you to get the album. And if you don't have an iPhone, I don't fucking know. Can you, I think you can pre-order. I have a link. I think you can pre-order it on Amazon music. So if that's a thing you can show me, then I will still do it. And if not, well, what do you want from me? Okay? By the way, I will 100% revoke this if for some reason, like, 100 people from the same city immediately respond to this. I don't anticipate that happening. I think you guys are scattered enough. I think most of you are too lazy to actually send me the screenshot. Uh, But I will. (laughs) I'll do it. Fuck it. I'd still let that happen. What am I saying? Uh, It's whatever. This week only. Uh, Yeah. So do that and come see me live. I'm doing a whole bunch of fun jokes. Some from the album. I'm bringing in new jokes. That's, uh, it's you know, you release an album, you got to start working out new material. So that's what we're doing. But it's, uh, it's not all brand new. It's not a bunch of, it's, you'll get some solid good jokes in there I was gonna say gold but then I was like don't be so into yourself but fuck that they're solid gold I'm proud of them so come to a show pre-order the album enough about me I think yeah that's enough about me oh no someone's trying to call me while I'm recording this declined bitch should have fucking answered when I called you before listen let's get to our guest I'm very excited for this guest, you guys. Okay, so are all of my... Thus far, the two interviews I've put out both came to me through this guest uh, because she started... She cornered a fucking market, you guys. We're going to talk about it, but she started a 
podcast specific PR agency uh, for women, helping women get on women's podcasts. And through her, I've gotten a bunch of guests this past year, but through those conversations, it's led me to kind of where I'm at with this journey of, you know, learning and tapping into my more feminine side and how can I grow and all that corny bullshit that I'm doing, which by the way, I'm thinking about starting to release solo episodes on Mondays called the Monday Meditations. It'll be a little meditation up top and then me ranting. Haven't fully committed. Let me know what you think. Uh, anyway, I've gone on far too long. This interview is so great. She's just released a book called The Emotional Entrepreneur. The guest is Scout Sobel of Scout's Agency. She hosts OK Sis podcast. She just launched her own solo podcast. She's a fucking badass. And she talks about her mental health and how taking control of that got her into a place where she was able to launch this really cool, really successful business. And I don't know. It's just very inspirational. She sort of like she drew on, you know, the skills she had, but she wasn't working at a PR agency and she wasn't like a full-time entertainment publicist. She just had a plan, had a dream, listened to her brain and her body. And she talks a lot about that, trusting her emotions. Ooh, there's a mantra in here that I fucking love. Might have to quote it and put it directly on the Instagram. You guys will hear it and you'll see it there. I have gone on far too long. Listen, she's got a great book. You're going to want to get it once you hear this interview. So that is in the show notes. So remember, you can go get that in the show notes. And without further ado, because there's been so much goddamn ado, the lovely Scout Sobel. Hey, idiots. Welcome to another episode of Ignorance is Blessed. I am here. Oh, my God. You can Okay. I'm getting ahead of myself already. I'm so excited for my guest. You guys, her name is Scout Sobel. She's the emotional entrepreneur. And I'm going to get to her in just a second. But I need you guys to know a little behind the scenes. She runs a female-focused PR company that gets women as podcast guests. And she has been responsible for a number of our most popular guests this season that you guys have loved. Uh, we just had Sarah Renee, Jessica Zweig, Vanessa Rosetto, and a few, like a bunch more. Like She is kicking ass, taking names, and also sending me really fun names and great interviews. Um, so with that extremely long-winded interview, I mean, interview, intro, we're on a roll already. Hi, Scout. Welcome. Hi. It is so beautiful to see your face like this since, as you said, we have done a lot of emailing and a lot of scheduling. So to actually talk is so awesome. I know. I'm so excited. I've been emailing with you uh, over guests and stuff for quite a while now. And got to say, uh, I, wanna, I, I wanted to start by kind of diving into your background of, you know, leading up to you starting this business. But before that, just as someone who... Uh, I, I studied PR in college and like when I first got wind of you and your organization and found out what you were doing, I just have to say, touche on cornering such an important market that really, as far as I've noticed, hadn't, hasn't been touched or done in a, a very you know strong way. So f just kudos for. Thank you. Thank you. It. Thank you. Um, and, I'll, and I want to dig into that. But first, I kind of want to go back to like what led up to you starting Scouts Agency? Like what what was the catalyst for all this? So I started Scouts Agency about six months into running OKSIS podcast, which I co-host with my sister. And 
I started it for kind of a plethora of reasons. When I tell the story back, it sounds very neat and organized and thought out when really it was just like, I want to be my own boss again. Let me try this. And then I just kind of vomited this whole situation for the first month. But <laughs> creative I, mania. I was, it was, it, yes, exactly. And so I was hosting, co-hosting OKSIS podcast. And very early on, we were able to garner some pretty amazing guests, people that we watched on television, on reality TV show, our favorite authors, our favorite influencers. And so I kind of recognized the power of podcasting in that sense. And then I saw our community, which the first six months was much smaller than it is today. And I only say that because the power was still this great with that smaller of a community yeah. is that our listeners would follow our guests online, buy their books, buy their products, sign up for their courses, sign up for the newsletter, all the things. And so I really recognize that being a guest on a podcast is the most intimate, vulnerable, new way to do PR and it brings the most return. And yes. So, yes. And so in a world where, you know, on YouTube, you have to capture people's attention in three seconds. Podcast listeners have your attention for up to an hour. You cannot get an audience like that to listen to you speak for an hour. And traditional PR has its time and place. We do that as well. But, you know, a quote can only do so much for who you are. So yes. podcasting really creates extreme intimacy between listener, podcast host, and guest. So I started the agency, to be honest, it was kind of like a whirlwind of I'd worked with another agency who wanted to help me with the podcast that I wasn't super stoked on. Uh, my friend who ended up being a client, Amberly Lyons, was like, you should help people with podcasts. And then me wanting to be my own boss again, since I was working for my mom at the time, I decided to start Scout's agency really on a, on a whim, to be honest. I started it with three services, the same services that we have today, which are we will book high profile guests on your podcast. We book women as guests on podcasts. That's become our bread and butter, what we're super known for, what we've cornered the market for. And we do traditional PR. And so I created a media kit. I uh, compiled a list of a thousand women I wanted to represent. I emailed all a thousand in 24 hours and Gmail blocked my um, email. So I opened oh, up the second one. <laughs> And, you know, that was two and a half years ago. And since then, we've booked over 600 podcast episodes. We have had the honor of uh, representing women like Kat Sadler, Rebecca Minkoff, Jessica Zweig. It's been, it's been insane. And we sit here now, a team of five, and really, really being the PR agency that's an expert in podcasting. Yeah. I, and I really feel like it's so funny because I, I get emails from other, you know, individuals I get it I like publicists reaching out to me but I just feel like what what you and your team have done for just getting very specific with that like female focused I mean it's I think of you guys and especially this this last year but more in the last couple of months when I've pivoted and started going okay for a while I want to lean into you know my femininity and like what more can I learn self-care like growth uh, I constantly, it's like, as soon as I'm like, I wish I had someone else there, you guys are with another fucking great suggestion. Thank uh, you. That means the world. Yeah. I think that part of our success comes from what I, what I, I've taken what I admire from podcasting, which is that human connection aspect. And I like to infuse that in my emails. Like we're not some dry, we're not some unapproachable agency. We're just trying to make rad conversations happen with women who have important messages. 
Yes, I love it. And literally every guest, you not a dud yet. So Woo, that makes <laughs> me happy. like because I'm such a bitch. I'd be like, this one's kind of a dud. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, well, let's talk about that a little because you just sort of like, you know, for better or worse, like kind of blindly reached out to a bunch of women. Do you have any tips on if someone's thinking of, you know, probably not like necessarily the exact same lane, but something that might involve like cold emailing or kind of pitching yourself to someone who doesn't know you. Do you have any tips for people who might be somewhere in that lane? Yes. You know, this seems intangible, but it is the reason for my success. Uh, you know, I also have had zero experience in PR agencies. I've never worked in an agency. I have no experience in PR. I dropped Go out off. of college, all of the things like smart, smart. Everything. <laughs> drop out if you can, if you're doing PR, my God, save your money. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to agree with that statement. You know, the reason I'm successful is because I just emailed. So there's one thing is one, don't worry about what the response is going to be. If it's no response, if it's a no, even if they're rude to you, one time someone was rude to me because I signed my emails, love scout and that freaked her out. Um, God, you know, trigger. Just, yeah. Just first get over the insecurity that sending a cold email is invasive or weird, or you feel insecure about it. And then understand that you're going to have to reach out to probably 10 times more people than you think you're going to have to, to get the result that you want. So oh, yeah. get ready for the volume, get ready for putting yourself out there. And my biggest advice, I mean, the, a great action item here is please link your Instagram and your website and your pitch emails. I will not look at a pitch email for OKSIS if the person's Instagram and website isn't linked and I have to go do my own research. So make it as easy for the person on the other end to get all the information from you. And then don't email like you're a corporate robot. People really want to know you. Put your, I put smiley faces. I start my yes. email with, I hope you're having a beautiful day and I hope this finds you well or I hope this is the exact email you were looking for. Really infuse your energy. People constantly tell me all the time, I get hundreds of emails like yours every single day. I needed to respond to yours. Yes. It's not because I have written down anything that someone else doesn't know. It's because I put my energy and my personality behind it and I understand that I'm emailing a human being. Yes. Well, and it's like, and as the receiver of an email like that, if I can say this for anyone listening, who's still like, I don't know, like it makes a difference. I, I like, re I have read, I read your emails and I was like, oh, this is a person who I was like, I'm probably not the only person getting this email, but it doesn't feel like there's a machine going, hello, I'm Ashley. We found your Instagram profile where it's just like, no, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> or that the person representing the client or the guest or whoever it is pitching, sometimes it can feel, in my opinion, when you get a really great guest who's being pitched from a PR agency, sometimes it can feel unapproachable or high level or something kind of mysterious, like clicky. I don't know what it is. So yeah. I like to kind of just really, really cut through the bullshit and, and be friends with the people that I'm trying to email, you know? Yeah, it's easier. And it's also like, at the end of the day, you want to work with your friends. So if people feel friendly toward you, they're gonna be like, all right, what's she up to? Like, that's, yeah. I literally, I mean, it's so funny. Cause I feel like I'm just like, I like love what you guys are doing, but the emails that come from your agency, like immediately pop out in my eyes. Like, I'm just like, Oh, I definitely want to see who this is. Like what's going on here. And I, I just love that. Cause you, you guys, you do a very good job of like keeping it personal. Also, 
putting the information of like, this is who this person is without it looking too overwhelming. Big fan of a bullet point list. I'll say that to oh, anyone yes. listening. Oh, yes. Uh, more than like paragraphs. And mm-hmm. you, you're very good at like, boom, boom. Here's what this person can talk about. I love that you guys do that. Is that like, here's some fucking things that they'd be able to speak on. And you're like, oh, oh, that's, oh, you've just taken like half an hour of work off of my plate from like the, the extent of research I'd have to do minimum. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wow. I love this. Um, I guess we spoke a little about, do you feel like, and I mean, I feel like I already know what you're going to say, and I feel like I agree with you, but do you feel like as far as promoting a brand or like a business podcasting is the most, or one of the most important things you can do? Yes, it is. In my opinion, the highest form of ROI PR efforts that you can do in this time. And I think what's so beautiful about it is that, you know, we do traditional PR. We've had our clients literally written up everywhere from Vogue, Refinery29, InStyle, Marie Claire, BuzzFeed. It goes on and on. And the beauty about podcasting is that anyone can get into the game. So if someone's listening and they think, I'm not ready for exposure, I'm not ready for PR, my product isn't sold you know, in Bloomingdale's or whatever it is, there is a space in the podcast world for you and you do get to exercise your voice and message. I have had clients, and I think this might be one of the misconceptions about my agency, is that I have had very high profile, successful clients with name recognition. And I've had clients with 2,000 followers who are just starting out. We have yeah. had the same success with both. We That's have put amazing. both of them on equally the uh, number of podcasts. We've been able to get our guests, I mean, our clients who are just starting out on top rated podcasts, et cetera. So the podcast industry is the most approachable for a PR strategy. And it's the biggest ROI. I have seen clients get verified on Instagram, sell best, uh, best-selling books for their launch week. I, one client, I literally, I swear to fucking God, she called me and she said, I have a hundred emails in my inbox asking to work with me after one podcast appearance. Fuck yes. It's insane. One of my clients grew from 13,000 to 20,000 followers in six months. That's amazing. It's the most sticky it's like the most sticky type no of i mean it is because it's like so many of my now what i would call like dedicated listeners have come from me being on another podcast and mm-hmm. then they'll message me and go oh i love that i booked a session with this person I-, I bought her book i love this thank you for bringing her on and i i just love it. it it is really like this community of real people who do through the medium you just feel more attached and invested in the people you're listening to. So you're like, oh, I feel like I know them. I feel like they're my friend. I want to like, I want to support them. I want to check out their shit. It's, it's incredible. Let me ask you, do you, and I don't even know if this, is there like, and maybe it varies for depending on the type of client. Is there an, if someone's promoting a product, Mm -hmm. for instance, you've got a book that just came out. Everyone get it. Emotional entrepreneur. We're going to dive into it a little more in a minute. Uh, if someone's promoting something like that, do you as an agency aim for a certain number of, of podcasts or like, like, do you set goals within? So the way that we work is that we work with our clients on a four month basis, four month contract. And within that four months, we're aiming for, um, we average about eight to 15 podcast interviews within those nice. four months. So if That's you great. have a book launch, that can get pretty intense, right? That's when you want the volume. That's when you want them all coming out on the same week, et cetera, et cetera. 
So that's what I like to call our podcast tour on steroids, which we have different levels of stuff for people who are launching a book specifically because the podcast uh, industry just lends super well to authors. So, but the way we typically work with our clients is four month contract. We put them on an average of eight to 15 podcasts within those four months. We do all the scheduling, the pitching, they have all the information. We figure out their talking points, they show up and they do the interview. Amazing. You just make it like so easy. I love that. And do you, do you kind of, uh, pivot a little bit, uh, who you target with each individual client, depending on what they're doing, do you kind of have your go-tos for certain types of clients? Yeah. So it's really great because we only represent women for the most part. You know, I let a man come in every now and then he goes through extra hoops if he wants to be represented by us. But (laughs) Since we really niched down in the women's space, uh, our database, which has over 4,000 podcasts that we've manually created over the last two and a half years, the majority of them are female-focused podcasts, Yes, meaning that there is a lot of crossover between many of our clients. However, we do take women in all industries. So we had Jamona Hoffman, a dating coach. We put her on all the dating relationship podcasts, but then there's also room to pitch her just to the regular female lifestyle podcasts as well. Absolutely. So in that sense, we do have different angles that we're going in. We'll like niche down to what they're talking about and put them on those podcasts. But I actually think and believe and have seen that the strategy is to go towards the more generalized podcast, because let's say you're an astrologer. If you get on all the astrology podcasts, all of those listeners are already into astrology. They've got the people. They've got the people. It's the lifestyle pod of the girl who's like, oh, I've been thinking about astrology, but I didn't know who to follow. Okay, I'll follow that girl. Yes. That's how you expand your community. Well, that's what we've been doing here the whole time because I have (laughs) no sense of direction or apparent brand, I think. Um, (laughs) I would disagree Um, on that one, but yeah. Really? Well, uh, we might have to talk. Uh, I mean, okay. Let's talk about, so your book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, Within the title, we sort of hear what we're getting toward, I assume, which is, you know, emotionally handling entrepreneurship. Um, well, before we dive into it, what kind of like what experience led to you going, oh, here are things I can share in a book? What is your personal experience that sort of you're passing on here? So this book came about because I started sharing about my mental illness on OKSIS podcast. So I had my first depressive episode at 14 and was formally diagnosed with bipolar at 20. And so as I shared my story, which I actually really shared as a guest on Chatty Broad's podcast first, before really diving deep into my story on OKSIS with my own community, which I found interesting. Sometimes Um, it's like, well, that's the thing about podcasts is sometimes like shit just spills out of you when you're a guest. And then you're like, what did I say? Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not on your podcast. So you're a little confused as to how that came out somewhere else. But yes, that is how it happened for me. And I really received um, a lot of interest in the topic. A lot of people who thanked me for speaking openly about my mental illness, et cetera. So in the last two years, I've really been focused on talking about mental health very openly. While I've been focused on talking about mental health openly, I've also been focused on talking about the realities of building Scouts Agency and being an entrepreneur and creating viable businesses. And I really saw there was such an intersection between business and emotions. And I couldn't believe that I was entering into this agency and, you know, this isn't my first rodeo. This isn't the first business I've created. And I was just recognizing that 
the, my ability to scale Scouts Agency so quickly and build a team and get the dream clients and all these things had nothing to do with the resources I had available, had nothing to do with if I had access to finances or investments, had nothing to do with where I graduated college, had nothing to do with P&Ls or cash flow strategy. It had everything to do with how I handled my emotions. And so when I was thinking about building revenue, you know, do you have a scarcity mindset or do you have an abundance mindset? When I would get anxious, do I use it to fuel me or do I use it to cower down? You know, there's so many parts of being an entrepreneur that ask you and invite you to up level into a next emotional level. And so I was looking around and recognizing that businesses fail. Yes, part of them fail for cash flow reasons and, and all that good stuff. But a lot of them don't succeed because of the owner's inability to use their emotions to their, to their, with their power, right? And then I was recognizing that there's so many women around me who are not getting into the game, who are not starting podcasts, who are not starting agencies, who are not building products because of insecurity, fear, anxiety. They don't know how to deal with uncertainty or the unknown. And I said, oh my God, there's all of this potential everywhere. And the reason it's not coming to fruition is because nobody knows how to handle their emotions. And yes. oh yeah, I've just gone through 10 years of intensive therapy, outpatient, inpatient, medication, all this stuff. And so I have the tools to help with these emotional lessons. And so the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship just super, super excited me because it's kind of the mix of both things that I am. So I wrote The Emotional Entrepreneur as the emotional guidebook for entrepreneurs with my favorite 25 mindset and emotional lessons to get through pursuing your dreams. Ah, I love that. And I'm also someone who like, I talk openly about my, my mental health struggles and I've found that a lot of my audience has resonated with that deeply. I love that you do that. And I think, I think it's so important. And I love that you're bringing all these tools that you've, you've learned and kind of putting them in one little place that, you know, I don't want to say just women. I think men should also check out this book. Men, you should, for God's sake, get in touch with your emotions. Uh, but like, just right there so it's accessible. Because I found that some, even sometimes it's like, there are some little mindset techniques or little healing helpful things. I don't know about you, every once in a while, I need to be reminded of a thing. Like just the other day, my therapist was like, oh, are you still doing a gratitude list? And I was like, oh, I fell off the wagon. And I'm seeing like that my perspective has shifted a little. So sometimes it's like you learn new things and, and even getting the thing that you're like, oh yeah. I swear to God, there's some healing modalities and like exercises that ha had to have to be like abusively drilled into my head for me to be like, fine, I'll meditate, but it's not going to work. And then it works. And I'm like, God damn it. It worked. And I have to make yeah. meditate. Um. <laughs> That's like the healing journey in general. Like just, I have to be reminded constantly. I mean, I have my routines pretty dialed in at this point because if I don't, it's like a whole nother story. I've been burned too much to know. And so now it is drilled into my mind, yeah. <laughs> but you have to get to that point, you know? And so that's why, I mean, I go back to my book and that's why I did it in different lessons. You can read it straight through, or if you're dealing with anxiety and you just need a reminder on what to do, you can open the anxiety chapter. If you're dealing with uncertainty or financial uncertainty, you can open the financial chapter. So it can be kind of like a, a little reminder resource. Oh my God. I love that you've like sectioned, you sectioned it off like that. Yes. <gasps> She's brilliant. Um, oh God. I love that because sometimes it is like, and we could all use more tools and then, oh, wow. Just like the idea of grabbing something and going like, all right, what's the thing that I already like, 
what, what helps with this and going, that's right. I'm going to, I'm going to make a pros and cons. List. I don't know what's in the book yet. I haven't read it. I'm so excited to read it. Uh, but, uh, oh, wow. I love this. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take a quick break because I'm so excited about all this and I want to just like power through it to the end. So we're going to take the break a couple minutes early and then I'm just going to just dig into all the questions. All right. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, we're back and we're really digging into <sighs> Scout's book, but like just the, your process and everything like that. First of all, I want to say like, congrats on even being on a healing journey. And I think that's what I wanted to touch on when I was absolutely rambling at, <laughs> at the uh, end of the last segment. But I love that healing is the one thing that like just by attempting to do it, you're doing it, even if it feels like you're eating shit half the time and falling like oh, getting up and falling the like it's like with meditation, just by sitting and attempting to like calm your thoughts, you're actually working that muscle out, even though sometimes it feels like failing. <laughs> um, did you find so? Do you feel like you had a pretty full grasp on your emotional mental health before you started scouts agency, or do you think it was kind of like, you know, working together? So, you know, when I started scouts agency, I was at a point with my mental health where I could function. So 
I could go to work. I could support myself. I could make the birthday party on Thursday night. I could do things, right? Yeah. There was a point in my life where I was unable to hold a job or an internship or school, et cetera. And so I had gotten myself to a point where I could function, but the internal world was haywire, total haywire. And so when I started Scouts Agency, you know, I journal every single day and I went back the other day to look at my journals and it's so fucking insane. One, <laughs> one entry is I am flying the highest. I am the best. I am living in my purpose. Uh, Scott's agency is going to be a huge success. I found the thing I should do for the rest of my life. And then the next entry is like, I think I'm so depressed. I have to go to the hospital today. And so I was still cycling so much in the beginning of my agency. And I think that the cycling was a little bit worse because starting a business just really, really puts your weaknesses, insecurities on display while putting your zone of genius on display at the same time. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was growing. I was scared, all of the stuff. So no, I did not have the best handle on my mental health at that time, much better than I had in previous years. It wasn't until uh, a little over a year ago that I hired a coach and really worked with her. And I recognized that most of my suffering at that point had come from fear of my emotions. So being wow. afraid if I was going to get depressed. And then when I did feel depression, like not feeling safe in that because those emotions had completely destroyed my life prior, you know? Yeah. They, I didn't have a college experience. My friendships were really rocked. My parents stayed up all night worrying if I was, you know, going to be anything or at least be happy in this world. And so when this hint of an uncomfortable emotion came, I would freak out and get really, really anxious about the anxiety, depressed about the depression. And so in that resistance and not accepting of my current emotional state, I would make things worse internally. And so last year was really when I decided, you know what, my new core belief is that I'm safe in my emotions and that's what I'm going to focus on. And with a lot of reprogramming work, a lot of positive affirmation, a lot of checking the way I talk about myself and a lot of just trying new things like when I'm anxious, stop, go outside and talk to her, give her a name, say, I really feel that you're coming up right now. And I just want you to know that I really am holding you. And I see you. I know you have something to tell me. I'm so grateful that you're looking out for me. And so you take as long as you need, I'm here for you. In doing things like that, I was able to cultivate this intense foundation and belief that I am safe in my emotional experience. So you can ask me if I'm bipolar today. Sure. Do I suffer from it? Absolutely not. I love, do I suffer from it? I love that. I also just, uh, that's just a great mantra in general. I am safe in my emotions. I am safe in my emotional state. Like that's so beautiful. And I love that you touched on the resistance because I think so, so many of us don't realize, you know, and it takes a long time sometimes for it to click, but trying to resist these uncomfortable emotions is added suffering. Mm -hmm. It's like when you tense up because you've got a headache, it makes the headache worse. Like, because the tension is now causing more of a headache. And it's like trying to avoid feeling sad, feeling anxious. It's like, it's not going away. You're just adding on top of it that you're now like, I'm now shaming myself for not feeling perfect. And it's like, yeah, no one feels great all the time. I love... I love that mindset. Also, never have I heard someone uh, 
put speaking to their anxiety the way you did. And yeah, my coach told me to do that. My coach, Amy, Natalie, who I just owe so much of my inner peace and confidence to when it comes to handling my emotions, told me to name her specifically. I forgot what I named her, to be honest, because I really Wanda, you're just like, (laughs) oh, my God, that would be such a good. No, but Wanda's no, Wanda's kind of crazy. So that would make sense. Um, Yeah. And so I named her and I would go on walks and talk to her and it just settled me so much. Oh my God. I love that. And I'm going to end up trying it and probably sobbing in a park because that's boy. Have I been like inner child work? I could do that. (laughs) Oh my God. So I (laughs) made the mistake, um, this year, you know, launching a book, scaling my team. I was also working on very specific emotional stuff. My husband and I were working on our communication style. It was just like a lot of growth a yeah. lot of working on things. And then I decided to read Dr. Nicole LaPera's book. And I'm literally just crying in inner child. <laughs> and my coach was like, okay, we need to stop. We need to stop. <laughs> I'll work maybe in a couple months when you have the capacity to deal with that. So put the inner child back in the basement where it's been <laughs> suffering yeah. and we can get to that. No, because that shit is like, and I know it works, but it's like. It goes straight to your heart. You, you really, you know, you have to be in a place where you have space. Yeah. And it's knowing. It. Yeah. It's knowing what you do have the space to deal with. Cause even with so many healing things, you know, it's like for a lot of people who suffer with addictions, a lot of times that is related to same thing, trying to stifle these feelings. So you have to be in a position where you're like, all right, I am going to let these feelings come up and not have to reach for the, you know, whatever your, your thing is, food, you know, drugs, alcohol, just go like, I, Cause to me, like I'm, I'm like a, a bit of a food addict and that's, it took a lot, a lot of like, once I started changing my diet, that really made me realize how much emotional eating I was really doing. Cause I was like, Oh, Oh, I go for cupcakes because th- cause of this, not cause I'm whatever this is. And then it's just like, at least I'm healthy. And I'm just crying. And I'm like, I don't know. This is just 10 years of not crying. I like, uh, I've really derailed us. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Because I relate to that too. It was such an amazing moment for me. You know, I emotionally eat as well. I don't think it's anything that's like, you know, it's not something I suffer from so significantly, but there's been times where things feel so emotionally overwhelming. And then all of a sudden I'm looking down and I'm just like mindlessly eating shit out of a bag. I'm like, yeah. what is going on here? And then I realized that my dad is a really amazing cook. And the way that he shows love the most is by feeding me. And so my whole entire life, he made me breakfast, lunch, and dinner, extravagant lunches, extravagant dinners, extravagant snacks. He comes over to this day with food for me. And so my sister overeats as well sometimes. And I said, hey, have you ever connected that when we overeat, I think it's because we want love. Food is love. Yeah. With love. And so- Sometimes if I can catch myself before, because honestly, you kind of like go into a blackout situation. Oh, yeah. If I can catch myself before, I can be like, okay, Scout, how can I give you love right now? Yeah. And it's been interesting because I've I have been shifting my diet for just like to be healthier. I have uh, an inflammatory disease, so it's like to control that and then having to learn, okay, how can I show myself love? For me, it's like food was kind of a reward, you know, little like, oh, you did good at this. Uh, here's ice cream, whatever, you know? Yeah. It's like, okay, I don't need to have a piece of cheesecake every time I have a good set because I'm going to turn into a giant piece of cheesecake. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, I sort of went uh, 
a direction with this conversation, but I want to pull back a little because in asking you, you know, if you felt like you were a hundred percent on top of your mental health when you started your business, I wanted to ask that because I feel like there's probably a lot of people listening and, and as you said before, we, I mean, I also know so many women who like haven't started their thing out of a variety of reasons, but I think especially, you know, there's all, all different situations, but especially when dealing with mental health, when you go, I'm going to get a handle on this, it can be easy to be like, oh, when it has, when I have a full handle on it, I will so, do X, Y, Z. Yeah. You know, that's just, it's an excuse. It's, it's an insecurity. It's a fear of starting. I started businesses in the middle of being suicidal. You know what I mean? Like, Amen. There is literally <laughs> no better time to start something than yesterday. And we can't do that. So today's the best option we have. And so mental health, healing mental health, healing insecurities, healing traumas, healing negative patterns, healing uh, toxic behavior, et cetera. That is really a lifelong journey. Yeah. And there are moments and stages that you get to that are really great and provide a new foundation. And then you go to the next level. And so there's never going to be this moment, I think, where you feel super, super secure. I mean, I don't know. I feel really, really secure now, but, no, I but it's never permanent. Feel, yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that I would feel secure as secure today as I do without having started my business because with starting my business, I was able to understand what it means to show up for myself. I was able to understand what it means to be in creative flow, to have control over my destiny, to create things that come out of my brain and put them into the physical world. And that yes. builds self-confidence and purpose. And that's really important when you're walking down a mental health journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And because it's like, I think there's this idea of, I mean, you know, this Pinterest board perfectionists that were all, you know, stupidly trying to aspire to because it's impossible. But even you, when you think of like enlightenment, like as this, like there's this idea that you reach this pinnacle and you're like, everything's good forever. And it's like, no, that's like literally everything. It's a, it's a constant flow. Everything arises and passes. So it's going to be, as soon as you learn how to heal one trauma, there's going to be some other thing that you need to learn to get over. So you can't wait. If you wait for everything to be perfect, you'll be waiting forever. Yeah. And if that sounds really daunting that there's never an end, actually look at it as a really freeing, exciting, inquisitive way to view life. Because once you pass through hoops, you have different perspectives, you learn things about yourself, you feel better. So even though I have so much more to learn and go through and many more traumas to heal and many more toxic behavior patterns, you know, I'm trying to get rid of my codependency right now. I Me too. Let's do it together. Uh, Oh okay. yeah, please. Um, <laughs> you know, because I went through the past shit in my life, I feel stronger going through this. It doesn't feel as scary or overwhelming. And so I can dive in understanding that on the other end is such a beautiful place to be. So once you start doing this healing journey, once you start taking care of your mental health, once you've gone through a couple iterations, you are no longer afraid of the fire because you know exactly what's on the other fucking side of that. And you are stoked to get there. Yes. And it's like the more you put yourself in these uncomfortable growth positions, it's with anything like the, you know, it's always going to be difficult, but you're like prepared for the difficulty. You're ready for what comes at you. Yes. I love that. Uh, when we talk about when we, you, <laughs> I would love to talk about it, but I'm not the expert. Um, when, when you talk about uh, how to like emotionally handle entrepreneurship, 
like specifically when someone's, you know, diving into the world of becoming an entrepreneur of some sort, what what are some of the things or, uh, you know, I, I don't know if ideologies like what could someone shoot for? What what are some things that people should try to shift toward in order to get in the right headspace to handle, you know, s- starting their own entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey? There's the word I wanted. You know, I think the first one, the first mindset shift that I would encourage entrepreneurs is to really accept the fact that they're about to be uncomfortable. And so in a beautiful, beautiful way for a beautiful, beautiful purpose. And so before you start and while you start and in the middle of the whole thing, always connect to, I don't want to say the why because that's so overused, but really, really understand that this is your life. You are creating this for your life. You are creating this because there is something more that you desire or that you really would love to architect the exact details of your future. And so there's really no price to that. That's priceless. And so before you start, know that you're not building a business. You're literally crafting your purpose. You are literally crafting a life that allows you to wake up and be stoked every single day. That gives you meaning and confidence in this world. And so if you can look at it like that, in moments that feel challenging, when the client sends the email that they're unhappy with your services, when the manufacturer tells you that you've, they've fucked up all of your orders, you know, when, motherfuckers. The, yeah, when the investment <laughs> doesn't come through, you can go to the macro and see that this isn't just revenue. It's not just numbers. It's the ability to dance in a world that you dreamed up for yourself. And so really stay connected to that. This isn't just a business. It's, it's your life. It's what you're doing with your time every single day. And so if you can put that weight on it and understand how seriously important it is, then you can go into the micro fires and the headaches and the times that you feel scared because you're putting yourself out there and you want to play small those can start to seem insignificant in relation to the bigger plan here. I love that. And let me ask you, before you started Scouts Agency, did you have any like little or smaller business ventures that you abandoned or anything? Just for the sake of like, comparatively, how did you know that this was like, oh, this is it? So this is not my first thing I've done. When I was 22, I started my own magazine, which is how I was first introduced to entrepreneurship. It was kind of the first sign that I would be able to function in society and have something that I could really walk through and find purpose in. And so I was the editor-in-chief of this magazine. We had a three-issue run. It was sold in Barnes & Noble. We had Halsey on the cover. It was awesome. You know, that didn't financially work out. As things Print. do. What can you do? What can you do? <laughs> what can you do? And then I started a blog and then I was a director of operations at a startup that I was a minority owner in. And you know, all of these iterations, there's a chapter in my book where I say that my friends and family get a little fatigued when I'm like, hey, I'm going to start something new today. They're like, okay, like the past 10 things that never worked out. And that's really <laughs> the attitude of the entrepreneur. Like I'm not here to play it safe. I'm not here 
to be the one hit wonder. And I'm also not here to be the girl that's standing in front of you. That's like, I started my first business and it fucking went fabulously from day one because that's never the truth. So I started Scouts Agency when I was 27. It took me until I was 27, which is very young to find the business that worked. And so, yes, I have, I don't, I've never viewed myself as a failure, but for the sake of the conversation, yes, one could say that I have failed many times. Well, it's all, it's all things on the journey. And I just want to say, I deeply relate to being the person among my friends and family who's like, I've got another great idea. Uh, uh, I've all, it's been a journey for me to learn that like, you can just have a great idea and not, you don't have to try to make everything a business and a venture. Yes. Do you? do you have things that creep up? They're like, what if I did this? But it's like time management wise, that would make no sense. And how do you, how, and even, I guess like, you know, as not as small, but as specific as something is like taking on clients. Cause you know, you can only have so many people on a roster at once. What are some things and some maybe boundaries or uh, rules you give for yourself for not overextending? So I think I overextend or I think that my plate, um, <laughs> I, I enjoy it full. You know, I run two podcasts, an agency, and now I'm, I'm launching a book. And so I like juggling different things. That's how I work best. Yes. When you have an idea that doesn't technically make sense within your workload and time management, et cetera, it's just a sign that you have some creative energy that you got to get out. So, you know, direct it somewhere else. Maybe it is making the PowerPoint for that idea and just going through the first branding steps for an hour that lets it kind of like, okay, I can see this isn't where I should go, but I got it out of my system and that's great. So I, I that. yeah, I have ideas constantly and they excite me. And sometimes I have to stop what I'm doing to go execute on them and I execute for 30 minutes and then I move on. Right. <laughs> so I love that. Cause I mean, it's like the amount of even just podcast ideas that like I'll talk with a friend and I'll be like, we should do a podcast about this. I'm like, I can't start another. I have two that I'm juggling now and like other ones. That, but I I love the idea of I'm going to go through the exercise of like starting it. And you feel like that gives you the relief you need or like a little release of. Yeah. Sometimes I, it's, and it doesn't even have to be like, let's say you want to start a new podcast. That doesn't mean that you have to go and create the name and the this and the that. It could just mean that you have to create something like, You have to create a new Instagram post on Canva or sometimes when I have an idea for something else, it's usually an indication that I have to spruce up something in my current business. You like take that little nugget and it turns into something else. Yeah. So if I wanted to start a new podcast, it's like, okay, what would it look like if part of Scout Podcast, one episode a month had this idea and what would that look like? So Or, okay, I'm feeling like I want to do branding right now. Should I rebrand Scouts Agency's website? There's so much you can do within your current business. And so if you're getting all these creative energy ideas, sure, execute on some without any, like, you know, need to really see it through or see where you can apply that same type of creative energy to what you already have going on. I love that. That's, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only person who hearing that is helpful for, but specifically helpful to me. Um, I, let's just talk about, I mean, obviously you working and prioritizing your mental health sort of, you know, like helped lead you in the direction you're going with, with your agency, with this amazing book that you have just launched. How important is it like for people listening who maybe have a tendency to put their own shit on the back burner? Oh, how's everyone else doing? I'll get to my mental health later. 
how important do you like do you think it is for someone to prioritize their mental health i mean how important is eating you know like it's how long are we going to live with toxic thoughts in our heads how long are we going to not put ourselves first how long are we going to do things that deplete our energy negatively how long are we going to keep saying yes to things that we mean no for? How long are we Ugh. not going to feel confident? How long are we literally not going to be doing what we fucking want to do every day? Yeah. It's and just, it's like an emergency state. Like taking care of your mental health is what's going to bring your entire life to fruition the way you want it to. Absolutely. And like, how long are we even on this earth? Why waste more time not doing what you want to do? Mm-hmm. Fuck, I, I thought I had a really good question and it just escaped me because I was just too invested in your answer. Um, um, I'll, I'll take that as a compliment. It, no, it's definitely a compliment. I, okay, so on that note, I don't know if you ever experienced this. It's a theme I've heard from uh, comedians and some other creative uh, you know, types that I'm friends with. Some people have this fear of well, some of my creativity is driven by the fact that I'm, quote, depressed or anxious. Like, they're afraid that if they get too healthy, that their creativity will just go away. You can keep believing that limiting belief that's literally ruining your life every single day in pursuit of an <laughs> object that doesn't even exist within your own body. You keep telling yourself <laughs> that. You keep running yourself to the ground. You keep not enjoying your life. You keep being a martyr to something that you think is so morally, intellectually, and creatively, uh, you know, superior in the creative pursuit. Yeah. Go ahead. Ruin yourself. Like, I was the same way. And I say this because I was the same way. I yeah. used to write poetry all the time. And I would say, don't give me medication if it's going to mess with my poetry. As if the words on the page were worth ruining my life over. Yeah. Dying over like a couple, you know, like pros. And you're just yeah, like, you know, like, I think we take our art too seriously sometimes that we're literally willing to let it destroy us. And so, yeah. You know, there is so much creativity when you heal. Does it look the same? No, but that's a judgment call that you're making that creativity after healing is any worse, better, or less than creativity before. So yeah, exactly. if, if you can get rid of that judgment, to me, that narrative, because I lived in that narrative, is literally just an excuse to not take responsibility over your healing because mm -hmm. you're about to change and you're afraid. What does that mean for my career? What does that mean for my comedy? What does that mean for my art? And people are more drawn to you when you're coming from an authentic place. And that yeah. authentic place is not depressive poetry. I promise you that. No. Well, it's also, if you've hit the point that you know you need to heal, yeah, it's like, sure, that your depression was authentic when you didn't realize that there was yeah. a better alternative. But now that you go, oh, I could heal, what are you just gonna live a lie? Because like, oh, people like it when I'm dark. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a self-destructive, upsetting narrative that we've told ourselves. And I really think it keeps people in very toxic, upsetting situations when they, it, it ruins their potential. It ruins their life potential. And it's, it's, you know, the struggling artist who has too much pride to give up whatever, et cetera. But I think that you are so much more worth fighting for than a poem. I really, really do. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's also like you'll make another painting. You'll tell a funny joke or I mean, I have a friend, Robin Tran, who's been a guest in the show and she has talked about like male open micers being like, but if I if my mental health improves, I'll stop being funny. And she's like, you're not funny now. Get help. You fucking idiot. You'll probably be funnier once you've healed because you can talk about a lot more things. Well, also, and there is, I mean, that's a big thing of people become attached to their emotional state as a part of their identity. And when you've obsessed about being dark and sad or anxious for so long, it's like, oh, but that's what makes me quote interesting. And I think a lot of people are like, it's like, you may not realize you're maybe subconsciously, but even consciously choosing to stay in this unhappy state because you like need to wear this mask of a personality that I'm the, I'm the Woody Allen of this town. And you're like, what are, why? Yeah. And also, you know, I think you can get away with that when you're younger, like in your early 20s. But yeah, as you get Trying on identities. <laughs> yeah. But also as you get older, you know, people, people expect you to show up for yourself in many ways. And so, you know, we're not, I'm about to turn 30. I'm not 21 rebelliously trying to figure out my life anymore. And so there comes a certain point where it's like, who are you going to settle? How are you going to settle into yourself? Yes. It's going to be a narrative that you're telling yourself because it makes you, you perceive it to make you look this way to the world. Or are you just going to be you and get rid of all the shit? Yes. You. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, there's a little bit of fear in the accountability of like, I think sometimes uh, and I I say this from someone who I think did it for years, but your mental health can become your scapegoat of like, well, I'm just depressed. I'm anxious. It's like, yeah, no, once you're handling it, you now have to take responsibility. They're like, oh, actually, I am in control of my decisions and I can't just go. Well, the person who frustrates me the most is the person who's like, well, I, I have anxiety. What do you want to fucking work on your anxiety? It's not everyone's problem. Yes. Amen. And you know, I say it all the time. I was addicted to my depression. Yes. It kept you me, get addicted. Yeah. It's it like kept me, emotion. Yeah. You, it kept me safe. No, no. It kept me safe. I could cancel on anything, anytime I wanted. I didn't have to go be a hostess because of my mental illness. Yeah. Um, at the drop of a hat, my friends and family would cancel their days to come help me. It kept me in a pretty good spot. Painful, but I wasn't responsible for anything. Yeah. And you don't have to take responsibility for your actions. And t- and I look, taking responsibility is scary because if something doesn't work out, then you have to go, oh my, the thing I did didn't work out, but like, mm-hmm. it's not going to end you. No. This- and from that will come beautiful growth. Yes. Ah, I love this. Listen, first of all, who do you think most needs to read your book? If you were to target a group, if there is a group to target. You know, I wrote the book talking to a millennial woman because that's the woman I know. It can be applied to anybody. So I would say that the person who most needs this book is someone who has said to themselves over and over again, I want to build something. I want to create something. They haven't yet, or they're in the beginning stages and quite overwhelmed by the emotional tsunami that is coming at them. Um, It's really for the woman who is down to be emotionally aware, down to put in the work, and just needs a little bit of guidance to make her dreams come true. I love that. And uh, for everyone who now, of course, is like, 
I got to get this thing. Where, what's the best way for them to find it? Where do they go? You can just go on Amazon, search okay. Scout Sobel, the emotional entrepreneur, or you can go to my Instagram at Scout Sobel and I will have it in the link in my bio. Yay. And of course, if you're listening on any, you know, podcast platform, which of course that's what you're doing. This is a goddamn podcast. Uh, that is all linked in the show notes. Uh, so go, I'm excited. I'm going to check out this book. It's great. Scout. It's so great to like officially meet you face to face. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This was such an honor. This was great. Everyone go follow Scout and we will see you next time. Well, there you go. Scout Sobel. How cool was she? So much to say. And we packed it all in. I was ready to go over an hour. We had extra time. She came with so much information. I think I am not alone as a podcast host in saying the best guests are the ones who just come with so much to say. They lay it all out there. I loved having her. She's delightful. I look forward to having more guests come my way from her agency. Uh, I, I was being sincere when I said, you know, those emails now stick out to me because she's, she's bringing in these guests. But of course, I'm always open to the guests you want, suggestions from you guys. That's really what I, I want to hear what you want. You guys are the goddamn audience. Uh, and speaking of the goddamn audience, want to focus real quick give a little extra attention to my patrons, my League of Extraordinary Idiots over on Patreon. Big thank you to Eric, Gene, Greg, Kathy, Terry. I couldn't do this without you. And those are my top tier people. They've been here for a while. Uh, And I'm so grateful to them. I've got uh, lower tiers, which I'm not going to list all the people because I fucking don't have them pulled in front of me. And the amount of names that I would just have you ever just tried to list people from the top of your brain who boy really playing with fire because you're gonna forget someone it's too many and it's too many names is what I'm saying but you can be one of those names you can be one of the names that I can't name or you could be one of the names that I did just name by joining a higher tier patreon.com slash jms comedy it supports the podcast we're doing fun stuff over there uh yeah I don't know come on in I would love to have you uh, you can also follow the podcast at Blessed Podcast on Twitter, at Ignorance is Blessed on Instagram. There's a Facebook group. You want to get involved, but you don't really have moolah, e- even a dollar to spare because we do, I do have a dollar level. If you just want to support, if you're like, oh, I like this girl. I'm going to give her a book every month. I'll fucking take that book. I will take your dollar. Hit me with it. Uh, but you join the Facebook group. E- uh, ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots. Uh, we, I, that's the best place, by the way, to post suggested guests. You can do a specific person or if there's a topic you want to hear from, you're like, I'd always, I've, you know, I don't know anything about this, you know, type of culture or someone in this job position. I would love to hear what they say. Put them over there. Let's fucking work together and find that I, you know, I want to deliver what you want. I hope you like what I'm putting out there. I hope for a lot of you, it's exactly what you needed and you knew you needed it. And I hope for some of you, you've been pleasantly surprised because uh, I think that's where I was as, you know, there was a time in my life where I wouldn't even, I would have been like, fucking, I don't want to hear about this fucking emotional fucking feelings and tapping into my, in my energy. But like, I don't know. It's opened my eyes. There's other options out there. I like it. Anyway. Please keep in mind that no guest is or claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity. They're just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their 
personally situated position in the world. Give me your suggestions and keep asking questions. The more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know, and the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? Thank you for listening and thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.